0: and pleasing and perfect. never met anyone that doesn't enjoy receiving gifts. I mean, what's not to like? Somebody that likes you, gives you something you like, something you can use, something you can enjoy, something that would encourage you. I mean, goodness gracious, everybody likes gifts. And we've got Christmas gifts. We've got birthday gifts. We've got anniversary gifts. We've got Mother's Day gifts. And next week, we got Father's Day gifts. I mean, we've got all kinds of gifts. But as we open up God's word, we discover that God gives us gifts. He not only gives us the gift of salvation, which is the greatest gift of all, the Bible says that he gives us spiritual gifts to help us as we walk through life. And so I want you to turn with me this morning to Romans chapter 12 as we continue our series that we've called Transformers. God transforms us so that then he can use us to transform our world. And one of the ways that God does this is he gives each and every one of us spiritual gifts. But here's the problem. The thing that God has given to help us The thing that God has given to help us grow has become this thing that oftentimes divides us. It oftentimes causes pride in our life. It becomes a source of confusion and a source of division. And so we need to see what the Bible says about spiritual gifts and our part in the body. And so if you have your Bibles open to Romans 12, this morning we're going to focus on verses 3 through 8. So listen to what God's Word says. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function... So it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage, be encouraging. If it is giving... Give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Now, Paul spoke about gifts here. He speaks of gifts in 1 Corinthians. He speaks of gifts in, in Ephesians. He speaks of gifts in both letters that he wrote to Timothy First and 2 Timothy And even Peter speaks of gifts in one of the epistles that he writes. And so it's obvious that gifts are an important part of our life as followers of Jesus. I am convinced that we will never live the life that God intends for us to live, that God wants us to live, without both discovering and developing and then using the gifts that God has given us. I want you to listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 7. It says there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of all of them. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. And then he says this, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. So don't miss this. A spiritual gift is given to each of us why so we can help one another. In 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 10 Peter says it this way. He says God has given each of us a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts use them well to serve one another. You can't read the New Testament without understanding that this this thing called spiritual gifts is an important part of the Christian life. Now in these verses, Paul talks about three truths in regard to spiritual lives. He begins by telling us when it comes to spiritual gifts, we need to evaluate ourselves honestly. Listen to what Paul says. He says, don't think you are better than you really are. Now, I've discovered that most of us make a mistake in one of two areas in our lives. First, we think of ourselves too highly, or second, we don't think of ourselves highly enough. And both of those are mistakes that will hinder us as we seek to live our life for Christ. And both are equally wrong. The first will lead us to believe that we can do everything better than anyone else. It will cause us to believe that we don't need anyone else. And it will cause us to look down on other people that that can't do some of the things that we do. The second will cause us to sit on the sidelines and never discover our truth value. It will cause us to miss out on what God created us to do in the church and it will keep the church from operating at the level that God wants it to operate. You see, the Bible says we need to do an honest evaluation of ourselves. We should not allow our gifts or our abilities or our place of service to either be a source of pride or a source of discouragement. Now in verse 3, Paul uses that word think, the Greek word for think, three different times. One verse, he uses this word three times. And so what Paul is telling us is that we need to put a lot of thought into discovering, finding our spiritual gifts. Paul is saying that we need to know our strengths. And we need to know our weaknesses. We need to know what we're good at. And we need to know what we're not good at. We need to know what we can do and what we can do, can't do. In other words, we don't live in a dream world thinking we can do it all. You can't. And the sooner you figure that out, the better you will be. You see, some people struggle in this area because they're afraid to admit their weaknesses. So they constantly boast about their accomplishments, seeking the approval of others, trying to draw attention. To themselves. There are other people who are the exact opposite. They're always putting themselves down saying, I can't do anything. I'm not good at anything. They're Debbie Downers. Have you ever met anyone like that? You see, both of those things are wrong. The first is wrong because of pride. The second is wrong because of pride. It's a different kind of pride, but it's still pride. You see, if you can't do anything, that means that God is a liar. Because the Bible says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. The Bible says that you were created in the image and the likeness of God. God created you on purpose, for a purpose. He formed you and fashioned you for a mission. And God gave you these gifts and abilities so that you can use them in the church. And if you don't use those in the church, then the church is going to miss a vital part of what it is supposed to do. So how? How can we honestly evaluate ourselves? Well, I believe there are three things that we can do. I want to start with the first one. You can discover, you can find your stride. And if you're taking notes, write that down, stride. If you're not taking notes, you need to go back and listen to this again and Take notes. You need to find your stride. We've got a class called um, Running Together. That's our membership class. It's based on um, Hebrews chapter 12, which says, run the race that is set before you. But then we've got another class called Finding Your Stride. Because as we're running this race, if we're going to run it effectively, we need to find out our stride. Because we all have different strides. Now, if you're a runner, if you're a walker, you know that. You know that some people have long, graceful strides. There are other people that have short, choppy strides. Now, one stride isn't better than the other. One stride isn't right and the other stride's wrong. It's just that they're different. We have different Strides, And when it comes to our service in the body of Christ, the Bible says we have different strides. So I want you to write this down. The first thing you need to do when you're discovering your stride is discover your spiritual gift. Now a spiritual gift is an ability that God gives you when you are born into the family of God. Now what that means is this. You cannot have a spiritual gift if you're not a Christian. Spiritual gifts are only for Christians. And every Christian has a spiritual gift. And so if you are a follower of Jesus, if you have been born again, you have been given a spiritual gift. This passage lists seven spiritual gifts. There are other passages in the New Testament that list other gifts. There's 22 gifts listed in total in the New Testament. Some people say that, that this is a complete list. That these are all of the gifts that God ever gives. There are other people that say no this is a partial gift. God gifts the church with the gifts it needs at any particular time in history. Some people say that the gifts that were given in the New Testament are forever. They are for every generation. There are other people that say, no, some of the gifts given in the New Testament were just for the birth of the church. Now, we're not going to get into answering those questions this morning. But I do want you to understand what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 4. He broke down these gifts really into two categories. There are gifts that give us the ability to speak for God. And there are gifts that give us the ability to serve for God. And so there are speaking gifts and there are serving gifts. Now what we need to do is we need to find out what our gift is. Now there are tests you can take. There are things that you can do. And we take, give you those tests in finding your stride. But Spiritual gifts. The next thing you need to discover is your talents, your natural abilities. You see, there are things that God has given you when you were born, when you became a part of the human race. You were born with these gifts or these abilities. Now, for instance, I don't know if any of you have seen this, but back when Tiger Woods was two years old, he was on Johnny Carson swinging a golf club. And let me tell you, at two years old, Tiger Woods will swing in a golf club better than I can ever swing a golf club. His daddy didn't teach him that. He had some natural abilities. There are people that can sit down at a piano at three and four years of age that can pay, play um, amazing masterpieces. It's incredible. You see, there are a talents, there are abilities, there are things that you can do that God gave you when you were born. Now, some of you are saying, I don't have any talents. Yes, you do. You were born with them. There was a study done several years ago that discovered that the average person has between, get this, 500 and 700 talents. 500 and 700. That means you're super talented, you're incredibly talented. And God has given you these talents, not just so that you can leverage them to make a living. God gave you these talents so that you can leverage them for his glory in the kingdom of God. For instance, let me give you some talents. Construction. That's a talent. Some people have the ability just to build anything. It's a talent. Uh, What about about this? Cooking. Cooking. I mean, some people have the ability to take nasty things, put them together, put some spices to it, and man, it tastes incredible. And you sit back and you go, how in the world did they do that? There are some people that can take pictures, photographs, that make you feel like you're there at that place. There are other people that can draw things and paint things that way there are some people that have the ability to play sports there are people that have the ability to to sing there there are people that have all kinds of abilities and God says listen God says you're to use these abilities these talents for his glory so spiritual gifts talents the third thing is resources You see, God puts resources in your life, different types, different amounts, not only so that you can be cared for, but he puts these things in your life so that you can use them for the glory of God. Listen to me. God doesn't provide the variety of resources that you have at your disposal. It could be money. It could be things. But God doesn't provide those resources for you just so that you can enjoy life. God provides those resources so that you can be a blessing to other people. Spiritual gifts, talents, resources. The next thing is our individual personalities. I mean, we're different, aren't we? We've got different personalities. Some people are introverts. Some people are extroverts. Some people are very cautious. There are other people that throw caution to the wind. I mean, they're not cautious at all. And God created us this way. There are some of us that look at some people and go, Man, I wish I had their personality. And those people are probably saying, Man, I wish I had your personality. I mean, we've just got different personalities. There's not a good personality and a, a bad personality. They're just different personalities. Someone categorized them this way. There are influencers, informers, investigators, and investors. Influencers, informers, investigators, and investors. Influencers are those who lead, who take charge. Informers are those who give messages, who talk investigators are those who crunch numbers who are detail oriented and then investors are those who pour into other people and here's what we do whatever personality we have we tend to want to think that everybody else needs to be like us you know so if we're an investor we just naturally invest into other people's lives we think that if somebody else doesn't do that to the level we do they don't love Jesus like we do has nothing to do with that. It just means God's wired them different. God wired them maybe to crunch the numbers or to inform or to influence. And so we've got these different personalities. The next thing we've got is the desires that God puts in our heart. You see, there are things that God has put in your heart that you love to do. And here's what I've discovered. When you're doing something you love to do, you will continue to do it. When you're doing something that you despise doing, you're going to eventually stop doing it. And so what we need to do is find out what it is that we love to do. And that's the area we serve in. You see, some of you love outdoors, but you hate being cooped up inside. And so if, if God called you to an office job, you'd go crazy. I mean, you'd rather be outside using your hands uh, under, the, under the sunshine. And that's great. There are others of you that, that just love people. You would, you would hate a job or a task or a chore where you had to be alone. There are others of you that say, man, people get on my nerves. <laughs> and, and it's probably better for you to have a task where you're not around people every day so that you don't blow up at them. You see, our personalities are different. And then finally, our life experiences. God has given each and every one of us different life experiences, good and bad, joyful and painful. And here's what I've come to discover. God doesn't want you to waste any experience. But here's what we most often do. Listen, if there's an experience that was a painful or embarrassing experience from our past, something perhaps before we were redeemed, before we loved Jesus like we love him right now, we tend to want to put that experience in a, in a box and cover it up and hope no one ever knows about that experience. And yet I believe what the Bible teaches is no. God wants to take that experience and redeem it and use it to help other people. And so for instance, if you've had some painful, sinful experience in your past, God may want you To help people who are younger than you so they don't go through those same painful, sinful experiences in their life. But if you keep it bottled up, covered up, he's never going to be able to use that experience to help other people. So find your stride. We've got tests you can take to help you with that. And if you go through finding your stride, we'll give you all of that. But I think there's another way you can find your unique place. And that's through trial and error. It's trial and error. Find something that you think you might like to do, start doing it. And if you don't like doing it, move to something else. And then move to something else. And then move to something else until you find that area. Now, when you're doing that, I think there are two things that will happen when it's the area that God has created you for. First of all, there will be fulfillment on your part. You'll enjoy it. You'll like it. It'll be fun. But second, it will be fruitful in the life of other people. In other words, it will bless other people. Now, there are some things that we do that we enjoy doing. We think we're good at because our mama told us we were good at it. But we're not any good at it. There are some of us that think, man, I can sing. My mama told me I can sing. But can I just be honest with you? You're tone deaf. And your mama never told you. She told you you sing like an angel. She was true. She was telling the truth. You do. A fallen angel. I mean, it's, it's a it's a beautiful noise to Jesus, but it's not to anybody else. And and so, listen, listen. If If that's the case, then probably... You don't need to be on stage leading out in worship. Nothing wrong with that. I'm not leading worship. They don't give me a mic and tell me to sing into it. You know why? I'm a fallen angel. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. But that's not my, I don't have that ability. That's not my gift. You've got to find something where you're fulfilled and there's fruit. And so. For instance, you say, I'm going to try and see if I enjoy working with preschoolers. So we do a background check on you. We do that with everybody that works with our kids. And then you get in there. And we put you with the youngest of the young. And that very first Sunday, one of the little kids has a blowout. You know what I'm talking about. And I mean, it's one of them stank blowouts. And I mean, you're sitting there. You're sitting there in the nursery. And they're expecting you to change that diaper and you're I mean, you can't do it. I mean, and so, you know, praise God, the first week you realize, well, this isn't my place. This isn't where I'm supposed to serve. And so you go to middle school and you start working with middle schoolers. And you think, you know, these people are just miniature demons. I mean, golly, these middle school kids, they're crazy. I want to kill them all or bury them in a hole. Well, middle school isn't the ministry you need to serve in then. You see, so you go from place to place to place until you find that place that fulfills you that's also fruitful. But then there's a third thing you can do. And that's you go to someone who is spiritually mature, that loves you, that will be honest with you. Not your mama. She won't be honest. My mama told me, boy, you're the next Billy Graham. I believed her until I preached for about two months. And I said, my mama lied to me. I'm not the next Billy Graham. I wish I was, but I'm not. You you see, we all have our different spiritual gifts and abilities. And that's the way God made us. And we need to find that. So find somebody that will be honest with you. who You can talk to who will counsel with you. And they'll help you find those things. So an honest evaluation. Second thing you need to do is this. You need to co- cooperate with one another. Listen to what it says in verses 4 and 5. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a different function. So it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we belong to each other. Now Paul uses that picture of a body throughout the New Testament to describe the church. And he says, like a, like a body, their are, there are feet and their hands, their ears, their eyes, they're all different parts of the body. And all different parts of the body have different parts or different functions to do. And just because they have different functions to do doesn't mean that one is more important than the other. Each and every one is important. And then he says in 1 Corinthians, what would it be like if everybody wanted to be the eye? I mean, you just had this big, gigantic eye rolling down the aisle every Sunday morning. That'd be crazy, wouldn't it? be nasty. I mean, we could see a lot, but we wouldn't be able to do anything else. What if everybody wanted to be the hands or or whatever else? You see, we are all different parts of the body. And what we need to understand is each and every one of us are an integral part of the body. Now, you have a body. But the Bible speaks more about you being a part of the body than it does you having a body. This idea of body life is extremely important. Now Paul teaches us several things in these verses and in in some other passages I want to quickly give to you. First of all, every member is a minister in the body. If you're a Christian... You're supposed to be serving. God has given you an ability, a talent, a spiritual gift. He's given you resources so that you can serve and God expects you to serve. Second, every member has a different function, a different ministry. We don't all do the same thing. That would be boring. God's given us different gifts, different abilities so that everything that needs to be done Can be done. Third, every part is important. There are no unimportant parts, and there are no parts that are more important than any other part. I mean, see, we have this idea that those parts that are out front are the most important. And so, you know, what I'm doing or what David does, that's the most important thing. And I'm here to tell you if if anything's true, the opposite is true. I mean, the fact of the matter is, hear me. The fact of the matter is, the people out there in the parking lot at the doors saying hello, smiling, greeting, the people that clean up and, and sanitize our building in between services now because of this COVID 19 thing, let me tell you, they're more important than I am because statistics reveal that the overwhelming majority of people determine whether they're going to go back to church or not within seven minutes of them driving up on campus. I haven't started preaching in seven minutes. I mean, before they ever hear me say a word, they've already made up their mind what they're going to do. Before I ever say anything, they've decided, I like that place. Or I don't like that place. I mean, there's a lot of people more important than me. And what about our preschool workers? Goodness gracious, for the first three, four weeks we met together, we didn't have any preschool um, on Sunday morning. And, and a few people brought their preschoolers and, you know, they were miserable. I mean, can you imagine holding a little baby in your arms trying to pay attention during worship? I mean, my sweet daughter-in-law Emily tried it and, and then she'd just hand her uh, Anna Joy to Matt and Matt would go outside. I mean, it's crazy. So praise God we've got people now who are watching our preschoolers and eventually we will open up for more people. Those people are way more important than I am you see there aren't any unimportant parts of the body and every part of the body depends on every other part of the body you can't do everything yourself we've got to cooperate with one another but there's one other thing and that is we have got to individually participate in the ministry in verses six through eight Paul lists seven different gifts He speaks of prophecy. Prophecy is speaking for God, serving. Serving is caring for for the little details behind the scenes, teaching. Teaching is explaining truth, encouraging. Encouraging is is picking up the fallen, giving. This isn't talking about tithing. We're all called to do that. This is talking about those who have that ability to go above and beyond. Leading. Leading is taking charge and casting vision. And then kindness. Kindness is caring for people, compassion for people. And what Paul says in this passage is whatever gift God has given you, do it well. Do it good. Do it to the very best you can. And so my question I would ask you in closing is this. Are you doing that? If you're part of the Northside family, are you serving? Have you discovered your gift? Are you utilizing that gift for the glory of God? Or is your extent of involvement coming on Sunday morning, writing a check, And sitting in a seat. And hey, thank you for writing the check. Thank you for sitting in the seat. But maybe, just maybe, God has called you to more than that. Maybe He's given you the gifts and the talents and the personality and the resources and the experiences and all of those things that you have so that you can use those things. For his glory and building up his church. So my challenge for you this morning is simple. If you're a follower of Jesus, discover your gifts. Develop those gifts. Like Paul told Timothy, fan into flame the gift you have been given. And then use that gift for the glory of God. This past week, I was reading a sermon that my dad wrote 23 years ago, and he was talking about seeing a picture outside of a preschool room that the preschool teacher had um, had, had the kids do. And if you've ever taught VBS, it's a um, chance that you've done this, but on the, the picture, the teacher had the, the kids put their you know thumbprints and finger pain, and then they put their thumbprint on the, on the on piece of paper. And then they drew a face on the thumbprint. And then underneath the, um, the um, thumbprint with the face painted, they put their name. It was thumb portraits. And underneath it, it said this, I am a thumbbody. <laughs> and when I read that, I thought, that's so true, isn't it? Every one of us is a thumbbody in God's body. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what your job is, you're a thumb body. God's given you gift and abilities and experiences and a personality that, man, He wants to use for His glory. You need to let Him. So if you're here, you're a part of the Northside family, let us help you. Don't sit on the sidelines. If you're not a part of the Northside family and you're, you're involved somewhere else and you're just not there this morning, then, then I would encourage you, use those gifts there. If you're not involved somewhere else, get plugged in here. We'd love for you to be a part of the family. And if you don't know Jesus, we'd love to introduce him to you. Because there's no one who loves you more than Jesus. He gave his life so that you could experience life. At its very best. So don't miss him. I want to pray for us by your head. Father God. We thank you for this time together. We thank you that you are a giver of gifts. The gift of salvation. And the giver of spiritual gifts. Lord I pray that everyone here today will experience the gift of salvation. And if they haven't, Father, I pray today they will do that. They will search out me or one of our other pastors say, Hey, how can I I begin that relationship? And Father, I pray every one of us here today who know you, will, Lord, make the commitment to use our gifts, our talents, our resources, our individual personality, our our life experiences. Lord, um, use it all for your glory, your honor. I pray this, Father, in Jesus' name.